All regularly scheduled network programming from every radio and TV station around the country was immediately suspended. This audio comes from shortly after 2 p.m. Eastern Time from ABC. Two priests stepped out of Parkland's hospital emergency ward today and said that President Kennedy died of his bullet wounds. This is an additional flash from Associated Press that two priests who came out of the Parkland Hospital Emergency Ward said that the president was dead of his bullet wounds. The priests had been called, as would be a normal circumstance, to offer the last rites of the Roman Catholic Church to the president as he lay in the emergency ward at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, Texas. This is not an official statement. We can only go on what it says here at the moment from Associated Press that two priests who came out of the Parkland Hospital emergency ward in Dallas said that the president was dead of his bullet wounds. But again, may I repeat, we do not have an official confirmation. Both men... Radio New York Worldwide has suspended all regular programs in order to bring you complete reports on this, according to a report now received from Washington, and this is a report from what are called government sources. They say that the president is dead. Now, these government sources are now ready to report, Washington, come in. Go ahead, Washington. Go ahead, ABC Washington. Richard Riddell, the press liaison for the Senate. He was the man who broke the news on the Senate floor. Uh, Mr. Riddell, what happened? Pete, is one of the most shocking and moving uh, events in the 45 years I have been here, since I was nine years old, when I began as a page. Uh, I first learned of the tragedy the assassination of President Kennedy when my one of my assistants, Tom Pelican, rushed out. As you may have heard just moments ago from John Lowry in the Radio New York newsroom, United Press International has just reported President Kennedy is dead. For a word now in Spanish. Los teletipos de la United Press International acaban de informar a Radio Nueva York que el Presidente Kennedy ha muerto de heridas sufridas en el atentado contra su vida esta tarde en la ciudad de Dallas, Texas. Informe de la United Press International, el presidente Kennedy ha muerto. This report from United Press International, which said that President Kennedy was dead, was the first statement that strongly from a major wire service. In just moments ago, we heard the report that Associated Press indicated that two Roman Catholic priests in attendance in the hospital room where the president was said moments ago that he was dead. Earlier reports from hospital aides said that the president was dead. However, there is still no official announcement from any quarter, either in Washington or in Dallas, Texas, at least that we have available at this time, which confirms confirms or denies the word that the president is dead. Right after the shooting, witness Howard Brennan notified the police that he was sitting across the street from the Texas School Book Depository, watching the president's motorcade go by. He heard a shot come from above, and he looked up to see a man with a rifle fire another shot from the southeast corner window on the sixth floor. He said he had seen the same man minutes earlier looking through the window. Brennan gave a description of the shooter, and Dallas police subsequently broadcast descriptions at Dallas time, 
and 12.55 p.m. At 12.45, 15 minutes after President Kennedy was shot, Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett received a radio order to drive to the central Oak Cliff area as part of a concentration of police around the center of the city. At 12.54, Tippett radioed that he moved as directed. By then, several messages had been broadcast describing a suspect in Kennedy's shooting as a 5'10 slender white male. At roughly 1.10, Tippett was driving slowly eastward on East 10th Street past the intersection at Patton Avenue when he pulled alongside a man who resembled the police description. Although conspiracy theorists dispute this, officially, the man was 24-year-old Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald walked over to Tippett's car and exchanged words with him through an open window. Tippett opened his car door and walked towards the front of the car. Oswald drew a handgun and fired five shots in rapid succession. Tippett was shot in the chest and head, dying almost instantly. His body was transported from the scene of the shooting by ambulance to Methodist Hospital, where he was pronounced dead at 1.25 p.m. Meanwhile, Johnny Brewer, a nearby shoe store manager, later testified that he saw Oswald ducking into the entrance alcove above his store. Brewer watched Oswald continue up the street and slip without paying into the nearby Texas theater. He alerted the theater's ticket clerk, who telephoned the police at about 1.40. As police arrived, the house lights were brought up, and Brewer pointed out Oswald sitting near the rear of the theater. Police officer Nick McDonald testified that he was the first to reach Oswald, that Oswald seemed ready to surrender, saying, well, it's all over now. McDonald said that Oswald pulled out a pistol tucked in front of his pants, then pointed the pistol at him and pulled the trigger. McDonald stated that the pistol did not fire because the pistol's hammer came down on the webbing between the thumb and index finger as he grabbed it. McDonald also said that Oswald struck him, but that he struck back and Oswald was disarmed. As he was led from the theater, Oswald shouted that he was the victim of police brutality. Soon after his arrest, Oswald encountered reporters declaring, I didn't shoot anybody. They've taken me in here because I lived in the Soviet Union. I'm just a patsy. This is audio from an arranged press meeting later that day. The voice you'll hear is that of Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, I was uh, questioned by a judge. However, I uh, protested at that time that I was not allowed legal representation. Did you kill the president? No, I've not been charged with that. In fact, nobody has said that to me yet. Uh, the first thing I heard about it was when the newspaper reporters in the hall uh, asked me that question. You have been. Nobody said what? Sir? You have been. Nobody said what? Okay, we can't hear you. Okay. What did you do in Russia? And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have later advices from Texas on the manhunt for President Kennedy's killer or killers. Lee Oswald, the 24-year-old American, the renegade who went to Russia, the man who admires Fidel Castro, is still in custody. It's been several hours now. After two hours of questioning, the Dallas police report, they're technically in charge, although they're not entirely in charge of this operation, that Lee Oswald has denied any connection with the shooting either of the policemen 
who was shot near a theater where Oswald was captured, or he has denied any connection with the shooting of the President of the United States. He's still under questioning, and the witnesses have not confronted him as yet. It is very important that so many people disagree. It happens in automobile accidents. Why shouldn't it happen in other events that are not exactly accidents? It is important that so many disagree as to how many shots were fired. We now are advised officially from the hospital and no doubt the autopsy on the president's body tonight in Bethesda Naval Hospital near Washington will bear this out that the president was shot twice. Now, it has been reported before that Governor John Connolly with him in the car was shot twice, and yet witnesses heard only three shots. We do know for sure that the president has been shot twice. It is possible that one of the shots of the three also struck the governor, or maybe two. But in any event, he has been shot twice. And By the way, uh, they have operated on Governor John Connolly. A lung has been reinflated that had collapsed as a result of the wounds. He had been shot in the back, one of the major shots. But it is still the report in Parkland Hospital in Dallas, Texas, that Governor John Connolly is, while he's in serious condition, is not in critical condition, and that he continues to show improvement at this time. Oswald was formally arraigned for the murder of Officer Tippett at 7.10 p.m. By early the next morning, he had been arraigned for the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Incidentally, the president's body was brought to Washington in a bronze casket. It was placed in a military ambulance to be taken to the Naval Hospital at Bethesda. It will remain there during the night for the autopsy, which, as we reported to you before, is routine in such official deaths as the president of the United States in circumstances that are beyond the natural. And a full and complete report will be in the history books of the nation concerning the manner of the death and the cause of the death, the accurate details of the President of the United States. That's why the body was taken to Bethesda uh, Naval Hospital near Washington. It will go to the White House tomorrow morning, where it will lie in repro repose for the private mourning of the family and for those who were close to the Kennedy family, either in the official family of the Cabinet and others, or in the Congress. But this is a private act. The body in repose at the White House. Later it will be taken to the Capitol, where it will lie in the rotunda for the public, lying in state for the tribute of the nation at large. At 2.38 p.m. Dallas time, on Friday the 22nd aboard Air Force One, Lyndon Baines Johnson took the oath of office as the 36th President of the United States. Standing next to him as he took the oath were both his wife and Jacqueline Kennedy. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will to the best of my ability reserve, protect, defend. Getting back to the background and the career of Lyndon Johnson, the new president of the United States, 
the people in Washington who observed them most closely noted that Mr. Johnson and Mr. Kennedy were not intimate friends, but even though this was so, the late president gave Mr. Johnson many assignments, goodwill missions abroad, and the chairmanships of the Equal Opportunities Commission and the Space Advisory Council at home. He regularly attended cabinet and National Security Council meetings and Kennedy's weekly conferences with congressional leaders. It has not always been so, and this is extremely important in this administration. Mr. Johnson's background in the Senate, his tremendous involvement in all of the affairs of the Senate as its leader during all of the years he so successfully led it from the Democratic Party point of view, all of this gives him a tremendous amount of knowledge of these things where knowledge is most urgently required and his trips abroad. He went to Europe and he went to Latin America. Mr. Johnson was very well acquainted with leaders of these people, and I think one of the most important things to remember in connection with this is that, like Mr. Kennedy, he was a professional politician in what should be considered the best sense, a professional politician in the sense that he lived, breathed, and ate politics all of the time, which means not just the affairs of a party or of two parties or of a district, but the affairs of the nation and its problems and its needs. He kept regularly abreast of these things, and this has not always been the case with vice presidents of the United States. Mr. Nixon was well acquainted with affairs of government, and uh, President Eisenhower made sure that this was the case. However, before that time, uh, Mr. Truman himself had had uh, far less acquaintance with the problems of the government and the workings and functionings of the government than did either Vice President Nixon or now, in this case, uh, Mr. Johnson, the new president of the United States. The trips abroad were consequential. The chairmanship of the Equal Opportunities Commission means that Mr. Johnson can speak with authority of the problems of civil rights in which he, in which he concerned himself. The Space Advisory Council, of which he was chairman, is extremely important because our space problem, uh, program is, again, one of the problems that he must face. Congress has already lowered the boom on part of the funds for the presidential space program, and there is now a strong question as to whether this program will be put into effect in time, as was promised, to get a rocket, manned rocket, to the moon and back in this decade. This, again, is a problem of vast scope, one that Mr. Johnson does know. Turning to other problems, we have the other question of Mr. Johnson's health which should be considered. If you will remember, Mr. Johnson did suffer a heart attack eight years ago. But today, heart specialists predicted that he would be a vigorously healthy chief executive despite this. They based their estimate upon the vigorous life Mr. Johnson has led since his months-long recuperation in 1955. He has, as the saying goes, been through the political wars, including the 1960 election campaign as President Kennedy's running mate, and has even faced a mob, one specialist recalled. In the unanimous opinion of three specialists, a man such as Mr. Johnson, who has had a complete recovery of years-long duration, can face up to the most exacting task, including that of being president. They pointed to the example of President Dwight David Eisenhower, who suffered a heart attack during his first term, but went on to win re-election and still, as we all know, is vigorously and happily healthy. The question of the last rites 
is one which involves all of America, too. And uh, here are the figures and here are the facts in that area. The last rites for President John F. Kennedy will be performed in Washington Monday at a pontifical requiem mass, which will be celebrated by Richard Cardinal Cushing, Archbishop of Boston. This was announced by the White House tonight in a statement which also said that former Presidents Eisenhower and Truman would arrive in Washington this weekend to join mourning dignitaries. The slain President's body will lie in repose in the East Room of the White House from 10 in the morning until 6 in the evening tomorrow, it was announced. Only the immediate Kennedy family will be present for the first hour, that is, between 10 and 11. No one from the public or from the dignitaries present will be allowed in at that time. President Johnson will head a high-ranking group which will view the body in repose between 11 and 2. Former President Eisenhower will be present at that time, according to the White House announcement, as will Speaker of the House John McCormick and Chief Justice Earl Warren. The body of President Kennedy will lie in state in the rotunda of the Capitol on Sunday and Monday, according to the White House. Mr. Truman plans to arrive in Washington on Sunday. Former President Herbert Hoover has expressed his regret that he will be unable to attend, it was announced by the White House. The former Republican president had a serious operation last year and has been ailing. He is a man of great age. Kennedy's body, the president's body, will be moved to an official in an official cortege from the White House to the rotunda of the Capitol at 1 p.m. Sunday. It will lie in state there until Monday at 11 a.m. And at that time, of course, all of his fellow Americans who wish to see him will be able to do so. His body will be moved at that time to St. Matthew's Cathedral in downtown Washington for a pontifical requiem mass at noon. And this will be celebrated by Cardinal Cushing. The public will be permitted to file past the beer in the rotunda shortly after its arrival and until 9 p.m. on Sunday, the announcement said, and then again from 9 to 10 a.m. on Monday. I think I should repeat that. The public will be permitted to file past the beer in the rotunda shortly after its arrival uh, and until 9 p.m. on Sunday, and from 9 to 10 a.m. on Monday.